0: Obviously, this is my first time this morning, being able to stand and to speak, and, you know, it is a real privilege and an honour to be able to bring the Word of God. Um, So I'll ask you to be gentle with me today. I'm nervous. (laughs) Not done this before. But, as you'll know, in the house recently, Pastor Tony has been speaking about the arches, and... Um, he's been speaking about, you know, the raising up of 50 intercessors. We've had the words come in the house, haven't we? About the call of, you know, archers get ready. And the raising up of 50 intercessors. And this morning, um, I want to share some further insight into what, um, (laughs) into, uh, something that God has been speaking with me about. Okay. Um, so the archers, um, you know, shared about how, you know, Abraham had his 318 trained men, didn't he? And the archers this morning, I'm going to share with you uh, further insight into what he's looking for in an archer. Um, and a few weeks ago, I was reading in the Psalms in my, just kind of my quiet time. And God began to reveal some things to me. So I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Psalm 78. This morning, uh, And I'm going to be reading from verse 56. It's quite a long psalm. I'm not going to read all of it. I'm going to read from verses 56 to 64. And it says, are you all there? Psalm 78, verses 56 to 64. And it says, but they put God to the test and rebelled against the Most High. They did not keep his statutes. "'Like their ancestors, they were disloyal and faithless, "'as unreliable as a faulty bow. "'They angered him with our high places. "'They aroused his jealousy with our idols. "'When God heard them, he was furious. "'He rejected Israel completely. "'He abandoned the tabernacle of Shiloh, "'the tent he had set up among humans.' He sent the ark of his might into captivity, his splendor into the hands of the enemy. He gave his people over to the sword. He was furious with his inheritance. Fire consumed their young men and their young women had no wedding songs. Their priests were put to the sword and their widows could not weep. Quite heavy this morning. (laughs) Yeah. And as I was reading this scripture, verse 57, the phrase faulty bow really lodged itself in my spirit. And I shared it with Lisa at the time and said, you know, I just read this scripture and I cannot get this phrase of faulty bow out my spirit. You know, it's constantly there, constantly there. And I knew that God was desiring to, to show me something through this phrase. So I began to look and, and to see and to study some more as to whether this phrase was used anywhere else, this specific phrase of faulty bow. And there is only uh, one other instance that I can find in the word. And it's in Hosea, you don't need to turn to it, it's only a short verse. Hosea 7, verse 15 to 16. And it says, I train them and strengthen their arms, but they plot evil against me. They do not turn to the Most High, they are like a faulty bow. And I was meditating on this phrase. And God began to reveal to me how it is the heart of the archer that determines the condition of the archer's bow. That it is the heart of the archer that is key to the effectiveness of the weapon that is used in battle. You know, even if the archer is already trained in battle. Verse 9 to 10 of Psalm 78. It says, The men of Ephraim, though armed with bows, turned back on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant and refused to live by his law. So these men of Ephraim, you know, uh, Ephraim was uh, one of the tribes, twelve tribes of Israel. You know, despite being armed, and the Bible says, it actually says they were skilled in the use of a bow. They turned their backs in battle. And Psalm seventy-eight says of them that they were those whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to Him. And so we begin to see how the issue of the heart is what affected their bow on the battlefield. And God then led me into 1 Samuel chapter 4. Keep your finger in Psalm 78. I'm going to be flicking between these two scriptures this morning. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 4. Just going to have a bit of water, excuse me. Um, Once again, your chapter four it gives the account of when Israel went out to fight the Philistines, and as the battle spread, they were defeated, and they lost about four thousand men that day. And they can't understand why God has let them be defeated, and it says, uh, going from verse three, when the soldiers returned to camp. The elders of Israel asked, Why did the Lord bring defeat on us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the ark of the Lord's covenant from Shiloh so that he may go with us and save us from the hands of our enemies. So the people sent men to Shiloh and they brought back the ark of the covenant of the Lord Almighty, who was enthroned between the cherubim. And Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the ark of the covenant of God. And we see this picture of, you know, they've had this defeat in battle and they're looking for how it is that they can you know they can bring this enemy down and they they don't understand why the first time they've been defeated and they don't consult god it doesn't say at any point in these verses that they consulted god it makes no reference to it it just says they said the elders decided you know let's go and get the ark of the covenant And bring it onto the battlefield with us. That will give us victory. And it says from verse 10. So the Philistines fought. And the Israelites were defeated. And every man fled to his tent. The slaughter was very great. Israel lost 30,000 foot soldiers. The Ark of the Covenant was captured. And Eli's two sons. Hophni and Phinehas died. And at the sight. Of these Philistines, we know, don't we, from the Bible, these Philistines were big men. Yeah, these Philistines were a a big and a powerful army. Um, They turn their backs and they flee. And, you know, obviously, once you turn your back in battle, what are you? You're exposed, okay? And And the enemy can come at you and can kill you. And they turn their backs in battle and they flee, allowing them to be killed and allowing the ark of God, to be taken into captivity. And though these were men that were trained in battle, these men had seen battle. These men had seen it many, many times. This was not the first time they had been in battle. They were armed and they were skilled in the use of a bow. On that battlefield, their hearts failed them. So as I'm studying these two scriptures together, God began to help me understand what it is that our hearts must possess and carry in order to be called effective archers and to avoid the danger of having a faulty bow. And there's three specific areas that God spoke to me about. I'm going to have another drink. Makes your mouth dry. (laughs) Um, and the first area that God spoke to me about was faithfulness. And the dictionary definition of being faithful is continuing to support or following something or someone. And as I was looking at this, God showed me this is not just speaking of loyalty. Okay, we often refer to faithfulness as like loyalty, but It's about consistency. We've already heard this morning about consistency. You know, our hearts must be consistently turned towards him. We must be consistent in our pursuit and our desire to follow him, to learn his ways, to walk in his truth, consistent in our obedience and consistent in the furthering of our relationship with the Heavenly Father on a daily basis. You know, those of you that were there at Authentic Sonship on Thursday night, Pastor Tony spoke about how important it is that we know God as the Father. And that comes through a consistent relationship with Him. You know, there has to be consistency there. Again, we've heard this morning, God, by nature, He is consistent. The Bible says He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he desires that we have this same consistency. This same consistency is built within us. And if we look at consistency in the context of a bow, I had a really clear picture that your bow is your prayer, okay? And your arrow is the word that you fire. Okay, so if you look at it in the context of the bow, it's the consistency of our prayer. You know, just... um, as the, when the news came about baby Danielle, we arose, didn't we, yeah. as a house? We arose and we prayed and we pushed in with intensity, yeah, and with fervor, didn't we? Yeah. we? We really pushed in. And how easy it is after weeks and months to allow this intensity just to die down, you know, or to believe in some way that because we prayed the first time, we've done our bit now. We've done our bit. But when we first fire out that arrow, you know, we fire it with, that, with, with power and precision. And I saw this picture that the string on the bow is like, the, is, is the tension. It's the intensity of our prayer. And as we pull and increase that, that intensity, that is what fires out the arrow with power. But if our, if our string becomes loose... If we lose our intensity, the bow becomes faulty. You know, you can no longer fire out those arrows. You can no longer, uh, uh, those arrows can no longer fire out where they need to hit. You know, they fall short. And the bow becomes faulty. Unlike the men of Ephraim, you know, uh, and Israel, despite being armed, they left the battlefield in the middle of battle. They ran. And, you know, God is saying and desiring that we have this continued intensity that we push in, that we press in, that we go again until we see the breakthrough. Yeah. Until we see the victory. You know, the word um, when we were praying for for baby Daniel, the word little by little came. You know, this is this is the word that we can fire out. This is the word that every time we go we, we, you know we have that intensity every time. God, you have given this word, this is what we fire out in the spirit. A faithfulness it can also be applied in the area of intimacy. If you look at faithfulness in terms of a relationship, you know you're one who has, you're one who has sexual intimacy just with that other person, aren't you? You know when you get married, you promise. To be faithful only unto that other person. And our hearts, out of our love, our commitment, our faithfulness, we must desire a greater intimacy with God. You know, purity, holiness, righteousness. You know, our hearts must be kept only for him. If you look at Israel, throughout their history, they were unfaithful to God. Verse 58 of Psalm 78 says, they angered him with their high places. They aroused his jealousy with their idols. You know, their hearts were given to another. You know, their hearts were not in it. And we as archers, we cannot allow our hearts to be captured by another. You know, he desires that we would desire to be with him as much as he desires to be with us. Yeah, and we must give ourselves up in that full surrender of of body, soul, and spirit to God. You know, he wants that intimate connection because in that intimate connection, that is where his heart can become our heart. That's where, you know, the two can become one in Christ. You know, we take on the heart of God. My beloved is mine and I am his. And you know, equally, when you get married, you make a set of vows and a set of promises And you establish a covenant with one another, don't you? And because Christ died and was resurrected, he established a new covenant with us, amen? And it says in the Psalms that the men of Ephraim, they did not keep God's covenant and they refused to live by his law. And as a result of this, verse 67, he then rejected the tents of Joseph. He did not choose the tribe of Ephraim. But he chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loved. And it speaks, you know, we've said it many, many times, we've shared it um, in the dream center, Hebrews 12 22. But you have come to Mount Zion. That's me and you. We've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. And. I very clearly saw God show me that every promise of this covenant, this new covenant, should strengthen us. It should enable us to face our enemy and prevent us from turning back in the day of battle. Because the covenant, when it is established in our hearts, it galvanizes our bow, if you like. So that when we pray, we know we pray with heaven's backing, we know we are praying with the authority that Jesus has given us, yeah? That Christ has given us. I'm going in for more water. (laughs) And so God desires in our hearts that we have this faithfulness towards him. Consistency in our relationship with the heavenly father consistency in our prayer as we push intimacy with him yeah? yeah that our heart can be become his heart and so the second point that God began to speak to me about was reliability And the definition of this is something or someone that can be trusted or believed because he, she, or it works or behaves in the way you expect. And you could say that this is a product, so to speak, of faithfulness and consistency. You know, as we show show and we demonstrate our hearts towards God, that we show him that our hearts are committed, um, as we show him that we obey his commands, that we listen to his word, that we walk in his ways, that we demonstrate a righteous life. This is when God can rely upon us to arise, advance, accelerate, execute in the way that he expects. You know, he can trust us. You know, God desires to trust us. And ultimately, you know, God had to reject Israel because He could not rely upon them to outwork that which heaven was speaking. He couldn't rely upon them. Their their hearts were not faithful to God. Their hearts were captured by others. You know, their hearts were not faithful to the commander. And he couldn't trust that when his command came, when he spoke it, that they would hear it, let alone obey it. You know, our hearts as archers... They must be attuned to his voice. Because it's when we, when we fail to hear his voice, it's when we begin to take matters into our own hands. You know, like, like Israel, um, on that battlefield, they couldn't understand why they'd been defeated that first time. And instead of seeking God... Instead of saying God, what is it we should do? What should command? What's the next step? They take matters into their own hands. They do what they think or feel is right, and there was no strategy and no command besides that of their own thinking. And ultimately, that caused their destruction. You know, it says thirty thousand of them that day. Thirty thousand—that's no small number—of them were struck down that day on the battlefield. And God really impressed upon me. You know, if we step on the battlefield with a faulty bow, if the string is loose, if the intensity or the consistency is not there, or if we're not attuned to his voice, if we miss the command, not only does our arrow fall short and miss its target, The enemy is still oncoming. And we leave ourselves exposed on that battlefield. And we also fail to defend the others that we're supposed to be defending. You know, in the context of prayer, if you look at it in the context of prayer, you know, this is people's lives we can be fighting for. This is people's lives. And, you know, God has to know that he can rely upon us As the troops on the ground, if you like, he can rely upon us to fight, to fight well, but to fight according to his strategy and according to his will and his purpose. The battlefield is a noisy place. You know, whenever you watch these films, you know of of a battle scene. You know, my favourite film is Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Paul always laughs at me. I've watched it hundreds of times. I love it. It's my favourite film. There's a lot of battle scenes in that. They're never quiet. You know, you've got the roar of each side. You've got the, you know, once that battle starts, there's so much noise. And it's, it's a place where it's easy to become distracted by other voices, by other noise, by what's going on over there. But, you know, we have to be able to, above everything, we have to be able to hear God's voice above all other distractions. Because it's the voice of the commander who gives the strategic command. You know, if we can hear him, God affirms who we are. He affirms the cause that we're fighting for. You know, it keeps any fear at bay. And it ensures that we hold our position in the face of the enemy. You know, Pastor Tony, again, he shared on Thursday night about, you know, if we are to have successful prayer warfare, you know, it's important that you know God as your father, that you're a secure son. Yeah, that you know your position in the spirit. So that, you know, no matter how fierce the battle gets, God needs to know that he can rely upon us to hear his voice. Amen. And this leads us, um, led me into the next point, which is loyalty and The definition of loyalty is firm, not changing in support for a person or in belief in your principles. And this is about undivided hearts that are devoted to him. You know, God is looking for hearts that are not easily swayed towards another. Hearts that do not falter at the first sign of trouble. But hearts that remain firm and unchanged. You know, God wants us as archers to have hearts that say, with your help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. You know, we have hearts that stand firm and unshaken. You know, we can't let fear set in because as soon as fear sets in, that's what causes our hearts to fail. That's what causes our bow to become faulty. Because we must, the cry and the shout on our lips must be, if God is for us, who can be against us? So, this loyalty, you know, we're firm, we're unchanged, we're unshaken. And I was really, as, as God was revealing these things, I was really challenged in my own heart and my own spirit about what God was saying in relation to the archer and the type of heart that he's desiring from us. You know, and I am, even I'm realizing the level to which God is raising the bar. You know, God. He never raises it so far that it's unreachable. God is not a God that dangles a carrot in front of you, um, you know, to get you moving, but never gives you the carrot. No. God is not that God. God desires, you know, that, that we come to the place where we can, we can um, stand as these people. And, you know, he, he, does, he does it enough to stretch us and to test the true measure of our hearts. In order that he can trust us with more. Because he wants to trust us with more. Do you believe that this morning? That God desires to trust you with more. You know, I I, I saw this in the context of like Jacob. You know, as children. You know, as they grow older and they understand more and they mature more. You can begin to trust them with more things. You know, as they show they can be obedient in certain areas. You know, you, you can begin to trust them. You know, with Jake. We all chuckle about this, but with Jake now, we can trust him to make a cup of tea. <laughs> we can trust him to use that kettle, you know, that we know and we trust that when he uses it, he uses it responsibly, he uses it, he uses it correctly according to the way, you know, that we've, we've taught him to do it. He's not going to burn himself with water. You know, we trust him. And, and God is the same with his children. That, you know, as he trusts us with more, as, as we show him that we can be obedient with what we have, he trusts us with more. Yeah. And he desires to trust us with more. So, you know, as, as um, God was revealing all this, I knew that it related to the house. I knew it related to the dream center. I knew that the word, you know, the words have come about archers get ready, about the raising up of 50 intercessors. I know Andrea I'm sure she won't mind me saying she had, a, she had a word. God woke her up and said, you go into war, arm yourself for battle. You know, it was around, I think, Deuteronomy 20. You know, we cannot be found to be like our ancestors. We cannot be men and women who see the deeds of the Lord, his power and his wonder. Because that's what the, that, you know, the Israelites saw, his power and his wonder. But still, they became people whose hearts were not loyal to God. People whose spirits were not faithful to him. No, they paid him lip service. They paid him lip service, but in their hearts, they were not turned towards them. And as a result, he rejected them. And he removed his presence from amongst them. In Psalm 78, verse 60, it says, He abandoned the tabernacle of Shiloh, the tent he had set up among humans. He sent the ark of his might into captivity, his splendor into the hands of the enemy. He gave his people over to the sword. Now, unlike them, I realized, you know, we live under the new covenant. And God is not going to reject us as such because he promises to never leave us or forsake us. But how effective we are is still based upon the state of our hearts. You know, if, if, if our hearts are not right, God cannot move through us. And so we must understand How the state of our heart affects our bow. And Pastor Michael DeCosta was here a few weeks ago. um, And he shared the word that God had given him about the artisan well. Do you remember? Um, And I really saw in battle as archers, they are most effective when they fire all together. Because it is the sheer number of arrows that causes the damage to the enemy. And in relation to this artisan well, I really saw it's it's the locking of shields together. It's the corporate pushing um, through which this well is forced up and out, that then turns from a well to a river to a sea. You know, and it's so important that we understand that it is as being corporately together of that one heart and mind. You know, the heart of the archer is is key to the effectiveness. Of the bow. And we know that. The word says. The prayer of a righteous man. Is powerful and effective. And. As archers. This is, this is what God is looking for. He's looking for us to be archers. Who are powerful and effective when we pray so this morning let us be encouraged and challenged to be archers who have hearts that are faithful to be archers who have hearts that are reliable and to be archers who are loyal to our God Amen Amen.
1: See, I told you it easy. Well done. Do you know, one of the things I find it easy to receive a word, because I know this lady's heart's pure, and when she sent me an email, uh, she sent me an email, Regarding this, some it was just thoughts, in her. and I said, "No, nah. I said that's more than just thoughts. I want you to preach it. I want you to speak it." So he said, and Paul said, "He's going to tell you. He's going to tell you if you send him that email. He's going to say to you that needs to be preached." So Paul knows me. <laughs> so he, he was right as well because the first thing I said was, well, "So you're going to preach this then, aren't You oh, <laughs> can <I> imagine." <laughs> I can imagine if she opens her email, she's going, oh, flipping heck, why do I do this? And um, But I believe that's the word of the Lord to us. You know, God is asking this church, you know, God chooses churches and gives them assignments. So when people come into a church, they just think it's a church that just worships or whatever it is. Each church God wants to use. And if that people will humble themselves... God can use that group of people. Now, we don't need thousands. We just need trained people. The right kind of people. And prayer is one of those things that we can take anywhere in the world. There's no no, uh, containment where prayer is concerned. No one can stop you praying. You can pray at home. You can pray in a church. You can pray anywhere. Right? You literally can pray anywhere. That's one of the things about prayer. And God's trying to use this church in prayer. And he's trying to get a people. But, we've, but he's changing the way we've always prayed. Yeah. And people say, well, I don't need to be trained to pray. Okay. Do you don't think. But if you want to do it the way he wants you to do it and get the results he wants you to have, then you do. Yeah. So and you say, well, I find I've been praying for years. Yeah. And now ask yourself, how much more could you have received if you can do it God's way? So... There is, we've ne- none of us have got the answer to anything. You know, the full answer. We've got bits. So as we, as we walk in God, God shows us more things, the more we can learn. So those, those, you know, the loyal, the faithful, what was the other one? Reliable. Those three strategic words, the faulty bow. Don't be a faulty bow. Don't be a person doing your own thing, your own way, and then wondering why you're getting your way results. There's a different way God's trying to get us to come higher so we can learn how to be strategic in prayer. Prayer is very strategic. I am believing that this lady's daughter is going to get well. I'm believing it. I'm believing that Jim Barr is going to come to full health. I'm believing that uh, Pat will come to full health. And anybody else who's feeling sick, I'm believing that you will come to fullness. But rather than just, we don't do this, Oh, Lord, please. That's not prayer. That's not faith. God is trying to show us how to step into this realm so we can secure healing and miracles. That's all he's trying to do. He's trying to help us step into this realm so we can be secure, so we don't have a faulty bow. So the tension's right. We carry the right kind of arrow. We've got the right kind of, of, uh, we know our coordinates. We know where we're launching to. When those kind of, Soldiers come to the front line. You watch how this thing moves. Yes. We've got to be more confident in our prayer than in my preaching. Seriously. Have, have a confidence in taking the word in prayer and seeing God answer rather than just having the confidence in to listen to someone preaching. Preaching isn't going to save you, it's what you do with this word that will help you. Amen. So, thank you, Emma. Thank you for your obedience. Amen. (laughs) Let's stand to our feet, if we will. (coughs) If you would, please just raise your hands, indulge me for a second. Ask the Lord to give you a secure bow. Don't become like the men of Ephraim when the when the heat of the battle came they ran yes. don't be disloyal be reliable yes. give your word stand come to the front lines of the battlefield yes. fight for your children yes. fight for your city yes. fight for your community yes. take responsibility yes. for the nation yes. take responsibility for your christian walk take when you take responsibility god will give you weapons to advance in those areas. Yes. Take responsibility for relationships. God will give you weapons so you can advance in those areas. When you see people hurt around you, God will give you strategies to bring health and healing to those people who are hurting around you. But you must take your responsibility. Yes. Step into the arena. Yes. Don't watch it from the sides. Don't, don't be like the, the Romans when they used to stand, uh, sit there in the, in, in the stands and watch the gladiators fighting. Be a gladiator. Come to the arena. Step onto the field. And watch God arm you. Watch God work with you. Watch God change you. Watch God transform you. Watch your father do that. Be a good son. Be a good daughter. Be faithful. So, Father, this morning, we've, as the heavens are open over us, and we hear hearing your word this morning, Father... We thank you for giving us the word ahead of time. We know there are faulty bows. We know there are faulty bows in, 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 the, in the church, oh God. Lord, I even stand myself, Lord, asking you, oh God, to strengthen my bow. Father, what you know, the condition of my bow, and you know the condition, you know the strength of your arrows. Father, my, my fear is not in your arrow, my fear is in my strength. My lack of it. So Lord, give us steady hands. Give us steady hands that can hold the bow. That can, that realizes the strength of the arrow that you've given us. Your word. Do the work in me, oh God. Do the work in us. Corporately, collectively. Do a work in our hearts that we've not had before. Transform the new Christians. Transform those who are coming in. Lord, upgrade them. Give them the eyes to see what we're saying. Give them the capacity to grasp what we're saying. Father, we pray for the new ones, the new ones who are coming in. Lord, we ask you, oh God, do a quick work in them. Bring them, oh God, quickly to the front lines. Oh my God, for such a time as this, oh God, people are are entering the kingdom of heaven. For such a time as this, oh God, we know people are entering in. People are looking for us. Now, oh God, the pathway leading to Zion is open, yes. so a whole company of people can cross over. So, Father, this morning, we, we ask you once again, oh God, for Pat, for Jim, yes. for Danielle. Yes. Lord, we extend our, our bows, oh God, right now yes. to those people, oh God, this morning, and we, we pray, oh God, right now, the increase of health, yes. the increase Lord, right now, Lord, we launch our arrows into the spirit realm and we say, Father, not by might, not by power, but by your word, by your spirit. Lord, we command healing to come into these bodies. Daniel, your heart will get stronger and stronger and stronger. You will come to fullness. The word of the Lord is working in you, Daniel. We command the word to work within you. Pat, right now, we speak to your heart and we say we speak healing. Healing. Right now, in the name of Jesus. Right now, in the name of Jesus, receive it. Right now, Jim, we we command you to come out the cave. Come out the dark cave. Bring sanity back. Bring health back. Bring restoration into his mind and his body. Father, right now, cause him to rise up. Put stature back into his body, oh God. Strength back into him. For any of those, anyone else who's sick, right now, we command, in the name of Jesus, a healing. Come to your life right now. Oh, steady our hands, oh God. We will not give up. We will not give up. We will see, we will see the breaking of a new dawn. Rising over our lives. Lord, where else can we turn to? Where else can we turn to but you, Lord? We cannot be found running, frightened, fearful because of what life is thrown at us. Oh God strengthen us for the battle ahead a whole generation has to pioneer this this breakthrough so a whole, another generation can come in and grasp it if we don't do it church who will if not us who will if not now when it has to be us dream center god has been faithful to us he's told us he would make known the dream of the king and he is making known the dream of the king Friday, I sat with someone and they said to me, what is the Dream Central all about? Unsaved. I had them there for an hour and a half, telling them what the dream of the king is. They were gobsmacked. I said, he can do it for you. He can do it for you right now. He can do it for you. The dream of the king, he wants to make it known to you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.